Hello everybody, welcome back to the Better Than Bad podcast. Um, I'm Jess, I'm your host, and yeah, hi. <laughs> um, first off, I want to say a massive thank you to everybody who listened to the last episode. I had some really nice messages of people, and yeah, it just made me really happy to hear that people were excited about this um, as much as I am. And that they're excited for what's to come. So we are here today for our first proper episode. Today we're actually going to be talking about some films. We're actually going to be talking about them. I'm so excited. Um, yes. So for those of you who didn't listen to the last episode, you might be wondering what's going on. Um, so basically just a quick rundown here at the Better Than Bad podcast. We are going to be taking an actor every episode and we're going to watch their highest and lowest rated films on IMDb and then I'm going to figure out which one I actually prefer uh, and our first ever actor that we are going to be discussing on the podcast is the incredible Helena Bonham Carter. Um, yeah, last week we discovered what her highest and lowest rated films are and we had some pretty interesting films. Um, so her highest rated film is actually Fight Club and her lowest rated film was the 2001 remake of The Planet of the Apes. So there's a lot to talk about and I'm really excited to get into it. So yeah, let's start off by discussing Fight Club. Uh, so Fight Club is a David Fincher film. It was it came out in 1999. Um, it has 8.8 .8 stars on IMDb, and it is actually number 12 on top 250 movies list on IMDb. Um, it obviously has Helena Bonham Carter in it, uh, but it also has Brad Pitt's in it. It has Edward Norton. Um, it has Meatloaf's in there. Um, a very young. Jared Leto is in there. Um, <laughs> when he appeared on screen, I can't lie, when he appeared on screen, the note I put was, I don't want to know what method acting he did for this role. And I really don't. Um, <laughs> yes, so Jared Leto is in it. Um, and yeah, it's, for those who don't know, if you haven't seen it, it is a film about essentially a very depressed insomniac man who is feeling very down on his luck and he meets a soap maker um, and they start an underground fight club and that is kind of where the story unfolds from. Uh, I had seen this film probably when I was about 16 or 17 and I remember watching it specifically because Helena was in it and I wanted to watch as many movies of hers as possible and I don't really remember much other than that <laughs> um I think yeah I remember enjoying it and I remember being very shocked by the ending because there's big plot twists at the end but beyond that I think I just sort of enjoyed it at the surface level so it was very interesting going back and watching this film a, a little bit older, but also from the perspective of someone who already knew the ending, because I think the ending is a massive part of this, 
just to pre-warn people if you have never ever seen fight club and it is at the top of your list and you want to see it i would recommend pausing this podcast going and watching the film and coming back because there is no way i will be able to keep this 100 percent spoiler free given the stuff that i want to discuss so you have been pre-warned you have three seconds three two one okay if you're still here expect some spoilers um but yeah it's coming from the perspective of you know being knowing the big ending um it was quite fun in a way to watch this film and see the little hints tips and clues that they leave um to lead up to that big reveal at the end um yes to the film the film in a nutshell i i did enjoy it I know that this is a film that has been sort of inducted into the film bro um hall of fame uh if people like film bro um we all know a film bro that's what i'm gonna say everyone knows a film bro um and i know this is one of those films that people will constantly bring up in that sort of environment like yeah fight club's my favorite film because like tyler durden he just gets it he gets how we all feel as men um yeah so i i know that that's what this film has sort of become but i found it quite interesting watching it because i don't know whether i could see it from a more critical eye at my age now but it it did sort of there were certain things that i kind of picked up on and that i saw that i just found to be quite interesting um the film is you know when i was doing my research into the film i was looking at different things and something that people do talk about a lot is that you know the film is essentially about um the effects that modern culture and particularly modern consumerism um has on men and their uh connection to their masculinity um and the effect that that excessive consumerism has on people in general um and essentially when these so we've got like edward norton's character who is um literally just called the narrator in the credits he is very like down on his luck he is not feeling himself at all um he can't sleep he is just not enjoying his job this whole list of things very very unhappy man and um, at the start of the film where we meet him he he's going to these like anonymous meetings um for people with different um illnesses and he doesn't have these illnesses he's just rocking up essentially to make himself feel less depressed by looking at people whose situation is worse than his um and that's where we meet marla singer who is played by helena bonham carter who is also going along to these meetings although her reasoning behind it is a little bit more crass than his she she turns around and says it's cheaper than a movie and the coffee's free um so that's where they meet and yeah he's very very unhappy and then within this whole like moment of unhappiness he meets tyler durden played by brad pitt and they start this fight club and tyler durden has a lot of lines in this that are like about consumerism and masculinity and it's sort of like the quotable stuff that you might see people popping out with when whenever they talk about this film um and yeah they start this fight club i'm sure you have heard the line 
whenever anyone mentions this movie you go oh fight club and they're like what's the first rule you don't talk about fight club um we are about to talk about fight club though sorry um so yeah they they start this fight club and essentially what it starts out as is just this place where these men go usually in a basement and they punch each other they beat each other up they have fights until one of them taps out and that's their way of connecting with their their masculinity so to speak they find the violence very cathartic and that's where it starts and then this group slowly sort of grows and evolves into something else entirely and they become almost a terrorist organization um and it's really interesting actually one of the things that i got out of it was seeing edward norton's character who starts off very much in on this group and like wanting to be involved and then slowly he starts to see the violence sort of take over and he's like oh this isn't this isn't what i signed up for this isn't what i want um and there's a very particular moment where uh his friend who is played by meatloaf who um is a character that was in these anonymous groups for people with illnesses um and his meatloaf's character is called robert i just googled it i couldn't remember his name um and robert was in one of these groups that's where they met and then they ended up being in this fight club together and robert's character spoiler um dies at one point because like during one of their operations during one of the fight club's operations to like um destruct destruct destroy a piece of public property um and there he's killed by police officers and the uh the person he was with brings the body back and there's no remorse from the people there's no empathy there they're all just like practicality they're like we need to get rid of the body we need to get rid of it now we need to we, we need to bury it so no one can find it and yeah we need we need it needs to we need to bury the body and um edward Norton's character's like hold on a minute like this isn't a body this is this is a man this this was a man and we should mourn him we shouldn't just throw him away he's like this was my friend and it's little moments like that where you really see like the sort of confusion from the character um and i i liked that i liked being able to see this guy kind of battling with the realization that maybe this sort of very like deep-rooted acts of violence weren't exactly what he actually wanted maybe so yeah um it's sort of about people i guess trying to find a little purpose in their lives um and at the end of the film i'm really i'm about to spoil the ending here guys like you have been warned at the end of the film we find out that brad pitt's tyler durden and edward norton's narrator are the exact same person and there's this big reveal at the end that they are the exact same person and edward norton has this like moment where he's like hold on a minute you mean to say that i'm the one who's been running this whole operation because he's been questioning it up until this point he's been going why are we doing that why did you go and 
you know set fire to that building why did you go and destroy that coffee shop why why have you been planting bombs around the sea why 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 and these people are kind of looking at him and laughing and being like yeah yeah okay boss okay boss and he doesn't understand how these people aren't looking at this and going this is wrong we 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 cannot do this we shouldn't do this like he he cannot figure it out and then it gets to the end of the film and he realizes that he's the one who's been telling them to do these things and i think that i mean i guess you could argue that the the response to this film is is sort of different but for me when i was watching it i felt like it was kind of about these people completely letting go of their empathy and their sort of i guess you could argue even humanity to a certain extent and how this one guy completely rids himself of that in favor of feeling something again feeling like a man again and then he's starts to battle with that empathy and that's his battle with you know the the real Tyler Durden and this fake um Tyler Durden and they have you know Brad Pitt and Edward Norton have literal a literal argument towards the end of the film um and yeah for me it was about this guy kind of coming to terms with that he well that he needed to still be connected to that empathy and you know that's just how I sort of saw it when I was watching it um I'm sure there might be people (laughs) listening to this going I did not get that at all I did not see that at all but that's kind of the point of film I think I think that's what's so cool about films um but yeah I did enjoy it I think that visually it's a cool looking film I think some of the themes it's sort of a bit like oh okay there is obviously it's a very very violent movie um so that's not going to be for everybody but on a whole I found it to be a like a, an enjoyable film um we have to talk specifically about Helena though um of course because this is her episode <laughs> So in the film, um, Helena plays a character called Marla Singer. Um, and Marla, I think she's a very interesting character. There's a lot going on there. Um, and essentially Marla's like a, a very down on her luck character. She's, um, she's quite, she's quite bold. There's lines in the film where it's like, Marla's philosophy on life is that she could die any minute, she lives life kind of on the edge, she's walking in the middle of the road and standing in front of cars and not caring. Um, she's got a very skewed moral compass as well as seeing her at those like anonymous um, meetings for people with different illnesses. We also see her going into like laundrettes and stealing people's clothes and selling them in um, like secondhand shops and things like that we see her doing all of these things and she has no care in the world she really she could care less like it's just she is of no interest to her there's one point where she takes she goes to the back of this van that's delivering food like meals to the bedridden elderly and she literally takes two trays of it and Edward Norton's character is like are you and then names the person on them on the meal sheet and she's like no but they're dead and i'm poor so um and that kind of encapsulates her as a person i think um she's not in this film a lot 
I did a quick Google search and she's in the film for I think about like 20 minutes which I mean what's the runtime on the actual film got to Google I mean the film's like two hours and 20 minutes and she's only in 20 minutes of those um but when she is on screen she dominates she's she's brilliant I think Helena does a really good job at this um I was reading that she based the character of Marla around Judy Garland in the latter stages of her life and you can definitely see that influence there um but she's yeah she's a very interesting character she kind of acts as I guess the love interest for both Tylers um she appears a lot you never really see her outside of that or in fact you don't see her outside of that at all you just see her within Tyler's world particularly the narrator's world well yeah pretty much only the narrator's world um and yeah she is a really interesting character it's quite funny actually I was thinking about this um the other day she's like um the grunge girly (laughs) and I don't know if anyone remembers what it was like on Tumblr in the um, 2010s, but every there was like a big period of time where loads of girls went through their little grunge, sad girl phase, and she was like almost one of the post childs for that. There's one particular image of her in the film where the the um, the camera sort of pans towards her, or zooms in, and she's wearing these big sunglasses with this big hat, and she's smoking this cigarette and she lets out this perfect tendril of smoke that was everywhere everywhere on tumblr like it had tumblr in a chokehold they loved marla singer um which is slightly concerning in the grand scheme of things um yeah she is a very 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 interesting character um one of the notes i put is these people in this film are just so desperate to die and that's what it feels like like she's walking into the middle of the road she's you know there's one scene where she takes too many pills and you know it's he's got to go and get her and there's just all this stuff and she is obviously again it was quite interesting watching it knowing the big ending because there are points where she is speaking to um edward norton and she obviously knows that he's tyler and he's reacting to her in a very like dismissive way and she's just like last night we were having sex and now look at you you're you're treating me like crap and it's quite funny actually seeing that and going oh because when i watched it for the first time there's no way that i would have noticed that i would have i was probably like why is she talking to him like they're best friends (laughs) what's going on um but it's then clear when you know the ending that yeah she she thinks that they've been spending all this time together and she's you know the person who reveals his name at the end she reveals to um the narrator that he is indeed tyler so she has a very very important role despite the fact that she's not in the film a lot um this is quite a sort of out of type or off type don't know how you would really say it um role 
breaking type there we go we'll say we'll go with that <laughs> this feels like it's completely breaking from type for um helena like before this when you look at her filmography she is was mainly known for um like period dramas that's what she was known for she was known for period dramas and it's so interesting seeing how you have this all these period dramas loads and loads of different period dramas and then she gets um fight club and i did have a quick google as to why or, or how she got this role not why how she got this role and um, apparently initially they were looking at winona Ryder and courtney love for the part of marla um they kind of i think make sense in terms of that and apparently the studio really wanted reese witherspoon but either she turned it down or david fincher said that he thought she was too young one of the two um and then he went with helena because he'd seen her in i believe um the wings of the dove which is the film that she was nominated for an oscar for the first time round. um and i again i saw that film years ago but i am pretty sure that in that film she plays quite a manipulative character quite a complex character but yeah up until this point she's she's been mostly not all the time but mostly in period dramas that is what she is known for so i find it really interesting that suddenly she gets this this job um in in fight club um and it's so different from anything she's ever done before and then a mere two years later, we get the next film that we're going to discuss, which is Planet of the Apes, which came out in 2001. So Planet of the Apes is an interesting film. <laughs> uh, yes, it came out in 2001. It's directed by Tim Burton. Uh, it stars Helena, obviously. Um, it's also got Mark Wahlberg in it. Tim Roth is in it as well, um, a whole bunch of people, and, um, yeah, it was a, it was an enjoyable watch, because at times, this film is so cheesy and so over the top that you just can't help but laugh, there are moments where I was literally, like, almost in shock by how, what was happening on screen i was sending like clips to my friends that i was recording on my phone of the, the, oh, just like these crazy moments there's one moment where one of these um <laughs> one of the apes like dances down the stairs i think she's trying to like seduce her husband and she's just there like dancing really weirdly with her like arms up in the air and she sticks this veil over her face and she just goes oh <laughs> and i was like what's going on <laughs> so yeah it's it's a really strange film um i have to point out i have never seen the original don't kill me don't shoot me i know that's probably blasphemy um i but i haven't i have never seen the original i've seen um i think they did another trilogy didn't they the rise of the planet of the apes dawn of the planet of the apes i think i saw two of those and i think i saw the third one um so i'm not like super super well versed in um the planet of the apes world <laughs> universe i don't know um so yeah 
yeah, this film. Um, as I said in the last episode, I'd only seen clips of this. I'd never seen it the whole way through. <laughs> it's so funny to me. Um, something I did want to point out though is that this is not Helena's lowest rated film on Rotten Tomatoes. And neither is Fight Club her top rated film. Um, her top rated is actually A Room With A View and her bottom rated is a film called Till Human Voices Wake Us. And Till Human Voices Wake Us has like 6.1 stars on IMDb. Whereas uh, Planet of the Apes I think is, is it 5.6? I got to double check. 5.7, sorry. Yes. So first of all this film at the very beginning is set in 2029 which really isn't that far away guys and they were like oh in 2029 you know they're up in space and they're traveling through the universe and all of this and i was like 2029 it's kind of mad that in 2001 they looked at that and went oh that's that's futuristic and we are not too far away from that exact time the script is very very cheesy <laughs> one of the first notes i've put is a quote where it said where mark Wahlberg's character goes never send a monkey to do a man's job <laughs> um so yeah essentially what happens just to run it down in a nutshell mark Wahlberg is an astronaut um he crash lands on a mysterious planet and it is basically a place where evolved and talking apes dominate a race of very primitive humans and that's kind of the basic storyline um i know the ending of the original planet of the apes i know that he goes onto the beach and he sees the statue of liberty stuck out of the bottom i'm really sorry i'm absolutely spoiling this film once again um and he's like oh my god no we're on earth ah. um and he realises that he's actually travelled forward in time. Um, the ending of this film is slightly different to the ending um, of the original. Which I know a lot of people kind of took some issue with. Um, but yeah, so he crash lands on this planet. And then within the first like two minutes of him crash landing on this planet, he runs through the, this jungle... And all of a sudden there's like all these people running towards him and he it's like uh, um sheep mentality and he starts running as well and then these like giant apes start like jumping <laughs> out of the jungle and they're like punching people there's one point where they literally grab this small child and they just yeet it across the jungle into like the, oh and he's like he gets punched in the face by this ape and he goes flying through the air it was <laughs> it was like i just thought to myself imagine you've just crashed somewhere and then you get punched in the face i mean it's just adding insult to injury and yeah, he's stuck in this like he, he's cut it off because they're basically using the humans as like slaves he's cut it off with all these people um what made me what did make me laugh is that at no point did this man go i'm on this strange new planet but all of these people and all of these apes are talking english like i f <laughs> i feel like a part of you'd be like hmm that's strange they speak our language um i know it's a plot thing though is it, they're not going to be like talking a different language for the whole film but 
I was kind of like, it did make me laugh. I was like, surely that would cross your mind. Like, why are all these people speaking English? Um, there's one character. Um, oh my gosh, what's her name? She's one of the love interests. Oh, Diana. Diana. Um, she's played by an actress called Estella Warren, and she's like perfectly made up like this girl has been living in the jungle she's been running away from these um creatures that want to kill her and put her hair perfection her makeup baked like she's she's looking good and i was like what and there's like um her outfit like the costume design i actually really like in this film but her outfit she's wearing this like plunging neckline loin clothy type dress and i was like huh very figure hugging with these like perfect strappy sandals and i was like huh, interesting interesting uh, one thing i will say is that the actors in this who were playing um the apes unrecognizable literally could not tell you who was playing who i had to keep on going getting up um imdb and figuring out who was who because you cannot tell like tim roth um plays the character fade in this and you cannot tell it's tim roth like not at all um the makeup for this must have taken hours i think i did a quick google actually and it took about like six hours to put that makeup on that's a long time to be sat in a makeup chair and this was you know this is before instagram and the time of smartphones like they weren't scrolling through tiktok while that makeup was being put on them they were probably sat reading a book listening to some music or having to talk but six hours is a long time to be sat in a makeup chair but i mean kind of worth it because well not even kind of worth it it was worth it because the the makeup design in this is genuinely really really good um i'm pretty sure did they get nominated yeah they got nominated for a bafta um for i believe the makeup design my phone isn't loading so i can't double check but um yeah so the makeup is brilliant in this yes so it was makeup and costume design that they got nominated for baftas for didn't get any other nominations um in that award circuit other than than those two but um yeah and <laughs> something i must say is that i really admire the commitment from these actors because the physicality in this like their bodies must have been aching after doing any amount of filming because the, the physicality required from those actors is a bit mad like they are like literally walking around like monkeys and their body must have been like in pins <laughs> It kind of it takes me back to drama school days um when people did like animal studies and stuff and, they, and i remember going to like auditions where they'd be like okay you're gonna walk around the room like an animal um i did an audition like that even recently and it's always funny because you commit 100 percent because you have to for one and like it's it's part of the job and you do what you have to do but there is always a moment where i'm there like someone's about to walk into this room and see us all like sliding around the floor pretending to be a snake like how do you explain that to a normal person <laughs> and i so i admire the commitment from these actors to fully like go for it with these characters because that's a, like that is impressive i you know it is um yeah there's just some really like cheesy lines in this one of my one of my notes 
um they ask him they ask Mark Wahlberg what tribe are you from and his response is the US Air Force (laughs) and it was just making me laugh one of the like um apes is like I'm having a bad hair day and it's just all very 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 strange um fun tidbit of information though so this is directed by Tim Burton and people are probably aware that after this film Heather the Bottom Carter and Tim Burton started a relationship they have like two children together um I don't think they're together anymore but like yeah they were they were together for a really long time but Tim Burton's ex-wife is also in this movie and they dated up until 2001 and then Heather the Bottom Carter and Tim Burton started dating like from 2001 onwards so I was just like when they appeared on screen and I was looking up who it was I was like oh my god that's his ex-wife um yeah she's in this movie she's also playing one of the apes alongside Helena sort of start to think what does what does this man think of his partners I actually saw a really funny um TikTok video the other day where this girl was talking about how Helena Bonacar like exclusively in all of these Tim Burton films plays like the woman who's in love with the main character but the love the main character doesn't love her back and it's so true (laughs) it's like it happens a bit in this film it happens in um Sweeney Todd it happens in Big Fish it happens in The Corpse Bride it happens in everything other than like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory that's the only one it doesn't happen in and that's why she's playing the mum of the boy who goes to the Chocolate Factory um it literally happens in every film and you can't help but sit there and think you, you think that Tim Burton would have been like you are the object of my desires you are the mother of my children you will get the guy in this film but no it was like sorry babe don't see it like that and I was like I never even really stopped to consider that but yeah she she never got the guy in any of any of those films um so yeah um it's such a weird weird film there's so many little awkward moments in it as well it's just so funny there's a point where like so like Helena Bonham Carter's character she um is one of the apes but she's very sympathetic towards the humans um she doesn't agree with how the apes treat the humans she thinks that they um should all live as one equally um and she's constantly trying to show people that they can be as she puts it they can be civilized um and all of this very weird stuff and she is one of the apes that helps the humans escape and helps them you know run away from um the the sort of ape city so to speak um and she's kind of she kind of fancies mark Wahlberg's character she likes him um and there's a really awkward kiss at the end <laughs> you just I was watching i was like oh my god no you know when you're watching something you're just like that's so awkward like ground swallowing me up like oh it was so awkward it was so awkward um but <laughs> so much of the film is so awkward it's just so funny to me watching this film the set design's really cool the set design is really cool it's just a very campy film like that's the best way i'd describe it it's so over the top and i find it very strange that it's directed by Tim Burton because it doesn't feel like a Tim Burton movie you know when you think of Tim Burton you think of very sort of like whimsical kind of um gothic fairy tale type films it's not that at all it, 
it really doesn't feel like a Tim Burton movie and I'm almost confused like and I don't I don't mean this in a rude way just like as to why he was the person that they went with because when I think sci-fi I don't think Tim Burton so I'm curious as to why they ended up picking him like um to direct this film I did see on um IMDB trivia that um he had turned Tim Burton had turned around and said that he would rather jump out of a window than direct a sequel to this film so but I also heard or read that the studio really rushed this film through they had like a very specific date that they wanted to release it and so a lot of the film was rushed a lot of the pre-production was rushed as well as the post-production so it was kind of just a very rushed out film and it did okay at the box office but they ultimately decided not to carry on with the franchise and then later rebooted it again with um, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Um, I was doing research into Helena Bonham Carter's um, process for this because Helen is an actress that is very known for doing the most she does a lot of prep work does a lot of research a lot of prep and one of the things she had to do for this was she went to um what they deemed ape school where basically they got the actors who were playing apes to go and learn how to walk and talk and be these apes (laughs) and there's clips of it and they are like again fully invested um but I just sort of sit there and I think, God, the physicality, like, their bodies really must have been aching. That's all I keep thinking about. Um, and they're doing, like, there's some mad moments. They obviously had, probably had lots of stunt doubles and stuff in this film, but they're, like, flying through the air. And I'm just like, what's going on? Like, the laws of physics do not apply. They do not apply in this in this film at all. Um, and, they, yeah, they are 100% committed apparently mark Wahlberg really wanted to work with tim burton and so he like dropped out of i think it was oceans 11 to be in this film and there's an interview with him where he's saying that it's it's not um he knows that it's not the best movie um but he sort of says that it's the studio's fault because they they rushed it all through um but yeah i mean it certainly is entertaining guys it's an entertaining film because that was what i was just laughing my head off um it is it's such a strange little film (laughs) i'm just thinking about it now and i just find it so funny um yeah the I kept seeing people talking about how confusing the ending was and it got to like the the end part of the film and I was like what are people talking about this isn't confusing at all because he basically spoiler he finds out that his spaceship crash landed on the planet so basically he goes through this like electromagnetic storm and he essentially time travels in this storm and ends up on this planet a thousand years after his actual spaceship because he goes off in a pod he goes off in this space pod um finds out that this actual spaceship crash landed a thousand years ago and that the apes that are on this planet now are actually evolved from the monkeys that they had on the spaceship 
that makes sense and he finds his son he's like it was us all along they came looking for me and and that's why all these people are dead and all of this stuff and he realizes that it's sort of all his fault what's happened on this planet and then at the end of the film he's like i'm gonna go home and he gets into the pod again and he heads off um through the electromagnetic storm back in time back to 2029 lands in front of the lincoln memorial in washington and he goes up and rather than the statue being of lincoln it's of fade the ape from the planet he was just on and it was like we um admire and love fade and all of this stuff on the inscription and then he has all these like police cars pop up and it's all apes in the police cars and he's like what's going on and then that's how the film just sort of ends and i was like oh that is confusing because he's gone back to his original time period but then it's different from where it was before and there was like lots of theories i was looking up different people's theories about it and some people think that somehow fade managed to go back in time like travel to earth by going back in time and like turning earth into the an ape planet i I don't know but it didn't it didn't really make a lot of sense and i was like ah i see (laughs) i see why people were confused um yeah that's my feelings about this film in a nutshell there isn't much like critical analysis of this film that i can give you there isn't much like going on under the surface layer there's obviously kind of like the basic discussions about the way i guess you could argue the way we treat animals and we um because these at the beginning of the the film the the monkeys on the spaceship are being used as like basically like guinea pigs test dummies for um going out into dangerous situations they stick one of um the monkeys into a pod and that's why mark Wahlberg goes out in his pod to try and find the monkey because he's gone into flown into the electrical storm and they can't reach reach him so then um mark Wahlberg character goes out looking for him um but yeah i guess it's sort of like this idea of oh we treat animals really badly and what if the roles were reversed kind of thing but overall i think it's just you know the the basic idea of you know what the planet of the apes is about you know it's based on a book um and both both the original film and um this film are based on the book and i guess that's kind of the underlying commentary but for the most part it's just a sci-fi um sort of classic i guess and the remake is just you know a sci-fi campy cheesy film um it was in the early 2000s and i don't know if everyone remembers but the early 2000s was a very strange time for everything from fashion to cinema to music everything was very strange everything was quite like bold and over the top so i kind of feel like it almost makes a bit of sense with this film that it's um quite over the top um i again we've got to talk about helena specifically she goes full out in this film she really does she invests she's committed um and i i admire that um i think she's all right in this film actually i do think she's pretty good um for what she's given um but yeah it's quite funny seeing her in this and again it's funny looking at this in terms of the rest of her career because i was thinking about this the other day 
like after I watched the film, I was thinking, had we not had her do this, would we then know her for the roles that she does now? Because she's kind of known for like those very over the top, um, I don't want to say over the top, but like she's known as a character actor now. And that's mainly down to her work with Tim Burton. You know, obviously she did like Mrs. Lovett, she did The Red Queen in Alice in Wonderland. And obviously the other thing that she's very, very well known for is Bellatrix in the Harry Potter series. And I was sort of looking at her filmography and I was thinking, had we not had Planet of the Apes, would we have had like Bellatrix? I know she was technically the second choice for Bellatrix. It was originally supposed to go to Helen McCroy, but Helen McCroy got pregnant and so they went with Helena. But you sort of have to ask yourself, would she even have been like on the list? Had she not done something like this? Had she not been um, involved with uh, Tim Burton's work? Because, I mean, yeah, her next film with Tim Burton was Big Fish. And in that she plays like a variety of characters, but she plays like the witch and you know this sort of old <laughs> haggard woman and then she was in things like Charlie and Shock Factory um and she didn't do Harry Potter until 2007 um I'm just I, I just I, I don't know I guess I just get a bit curious and sort of think would would people's careers look exactly the same had they not done very specific things had, had she not started working with Tim Burton and started doing these very sort of character actor type roles would she then still be known for what she's known for today because other than timber and stuff like all the other stuff in her um cv or on our imdb page um after planet of the apes is like again period drama stuff just very typical dramas she played like anne boleyn in a tv movie about henry the eighth she um was in uh, the heart of me which is another period piece um and then she does big fish and then she does try in the chocolate factory and then she's in a film called conversations with other women and then corpse bride and I mean, I know she voices in that, and then we get Bellatrix, and then we get Sweeney Todd. And I guess that's when she almost starts to get kind of known for these other things. I mean, she still does all of those period stuff dotted in. Obviously, she did The King's Speech came out in 2010, which was the same year that Alice in Wonderland came out. So she's, again, it's quite interesting that she's known for, or sort of considered to be this, like, character actor by a lot of people, but the you know a large bulk of her of her career has been like period dramas and those more sort of subtle roles she really is someone who can do it all guys she can do it all um but yeah i just i always find that a little bit interesting to kind of see where their roles fit and where it sort of shapes and moves their career about um, and again it's interesting because both her, you know, neither of these films are my favourite film of hers um, if you want to know my favourite film of hers is actually a little film called Howard's End um, it's a merchant and ivory um, 
period drama it's also got emma thompson and anthony hopkins in it and yeah i love that film it's a really nice quiet little film that talks a lot about like the class system in england in the turn of the century and stuff it's a nice little period drama um and that's kind of what i really love her in those sort of quieter roles things like um that i loved her in the king's speech i loved her recently in the crown i thought she did a really really good job in that um so i find it really interesting that these are the the top and the bottom and like um seeing and they're both really different (laughs) clearly but they're both completely different um different films and different roles so it's quite interesting seeing her in in things that are sort of completely opposite but we've got we've got to answer the question of which one do i prefer okay so overall (laughs) i did prefer fight club as a film in terms of the filmmaking the performances i preferred fight club in terms of pure entertainment having a wild ride um (laughs) an event moment planet the apes definitely takes the cake with that one but yeah if i was gonna pick one if i have to pick one which i have to because that's the whole point in this podcast yes i would say that i absolutely prefer fight club so we have our first decision made guys i would love 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 to know if you guys have seen both of these films um which one did you prefer what are your thoughts on them i'd love to know i'd love to hear them i'd love to know whether you agreed with me about some of my thoughts on these films um whether you completely disagreed let's let's start a discussion um on either of the social media pages just in case you didn't hear from the last one the social media pages for both twitter and instagram are better bad pod so you can head over there and you can tell me what you really thought of these films and which ones you preferred and if you haven't seen them then what's your favorite helena bonham carter film let me know maybe maybe i haven't seen it i mean i'm an avid fan so i probably have maybe i haven't maybe you're gonna introduce me to something completely new so yeah let me know what's your favorite helena bonham carter film which one did you prefer out of these two i'd love 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 to know um but we have to round this off But before we do that, I think we should find out who we're going to be discussing on the next episode. So my basic plan at the moment is I'm going to try and get some guests on soon. But I'm going to do one more episode where I just kind of find my feet with this podcast. Um, So I thought I probably should do another one of my favourite actors. So I was thinking about it, I was thinking, okay, who who do I really want to talk about? Whose films do I want to watch again? And I came to the conclusion that I would like to discuss Miss Jodie Foster. <laughs> so Jodie Foster is an American actor. She's, she's an actor, director, producer. She's been working in this industry for years. She was a child actor who then sort of developed into and you know her career moved on into to adult life um she's been in some very iconic films 
you probably have seen a lot of them um she was in like taxi driver as a child like imagine being in that film as a kid like she's done some insane films but we gotta find out what her top and bottom are <laughs> okay i'm gonna get up mdb i think i know what her top film is <laughs> i'm really excited because if it is what i think it is i love the film <laughs> okay yes i was right so her top film is the silence of the lambs i cannot wait to rewatch it i can't wait i can't wait um and i can't wait to tell everyone my thoughts on that one and then no so her worst or lowest rated film is a film called mesmerized hmm. it's got John Lithgow in it as well um and it is about the synopsis says an orphaned New Zealand girl married to an older wealthy businessman learns to deal with his strange sexual desires and it came out in 1985 um that one is available to rent on prime video if you did want to give it a watch and silence of the lambs I think that's just on Amazon Prime completely. Yeah, it's included with Amazon Prime, so if you wanted to watch that as well. Um, if you have seen either of these films, then please, please, please drop me a message and tell me what you think of them. I would love to hear it. Um, yes, I'm excited. So, um, I f the basic plan for this podcast is that the episodes are going to come out um fortnightly this is just to give myself enough time to watch the films record the the podcast edit it and get it out to a standard that i'm happy with i didn't want to try and rush myself with everything um i know that this the gap between the, the two episodes has only been a week for this one but that was just to get everything out there and started i don't want to be rushing myself too much i have had a few suggestions and messages for actors that are to be included so i have a couple of people that i need to speak to about being on the podcast soon um so i think it's going to be exciting once we start to get some guests involved guys oh i'm so excited <laughs> to see where this all goes but i just want to thank you all for listening today um i hope you've enjoyed it if you did please let me know give us a little rating um wherever you it is that you're listening to this podcast um and yeah thank you so so much and i will see you next time on better than bad thank you guys <laughs>